Stick this in your ear. The number one, the number one internet shock radio network. Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. Renegade, Renegade Talk Radio. This is where we hold them. This is where we fight. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Those who do work are denied a fair return for their labor by a tax system which penalizes successful achievement and keeps us from maintaining full productivity. It is no coincidence that our present troubles parallel and are proportionate to the intervention and intrusion in our lives that result from unnecessary and excessive growth of government. Fight for freedom, we will. This is Carl Higby, author of Battle on the Home Front on Renegade Talk, Renegade Nation. I want to thank Rich and Marla for having me on once again. They still put up with me despite my antics. Folks, I got a big show tonight. Um, One thing that has been blowing up in the media, and I will take credit for blowing it up, is the Don't Tread on Me Navy Jack on the uniforms. I talked a little bit about it last time. Look, this unequivocally unequivocally was a directive that came down i read the email last time on the uh on air and it was pretty ridiculous they are they specifically said in the email the don't tread on me flag is no longer authorized on the uniforms there's no way they can say anything about that I'm reading it out of the email right now quote you are no longer authorized to wear the don't tread on me patch no longer authorized. So the Navy has now backpedaled. They have said, you know, no, uh, we never said that. There was never a directive. We don't know what's going on. So I personally refuse to release, release the senior enlisted's name uh, out of respect for the Trident and respect for him and his family. Um, but I believe there are some people out there who have the name. I think Navy Times has gotten the name uh, in some way, shape, or form. But... What's important here is the reason. Another reason why, too, I don't want to expose his name because what will happen is the Navy will fall back on him. They'll say, "All right, this guy, uh, he issued this, and he's the last known written account of this order." So we're going to pin it all on him as a rogue element, and that doesn't solve the problem. All right, this email is proof that the directive did come down from somewhere. And he's high-ranking enough to have something to do with changing it. But he didn't. He mindlessly passed the order on. And this is what we need to break. I actually sent him an email saying, I wouldn't let your name out. And he was furious that he said I was part of the problem, said that um, uh, that I crap all I consume. And it, it was kind of interesting. This is exactly what I'm fighting against, folks. I'm fighting against this kind of BS, this kind of, you know, superiority feeling that they're not accountable to anyone. And I tell him, I said, sir, and he said in his email, you know, I I fight for my men. And I said, well, this is where you and I differ because I fight for my country. I fight for my country first. My career comes second. 
And obviously, sir, your men don't fight for you because they're the ones who sent me this email in protest. Six of them, six members of your command sent me this email in protest. They were not happy with this. I've received a number of pictures from different men, uh, including chiefs, wearing the patch in defiance. They, they haven't heard the news yet as of this morning or last night, I believe, that it was the Navy has redacted. It says, no, everybody can wear this. So, but they, they're willing to fight for it. So, folks, rest easy. Our military is smarter than you think. Our military will stand for what's right as a majority. Not everyone. And those confused commanders out there that think that we're part of the problem, that I'm part of the problem. They're very, very confused. And they're in for a rude awakening. Because they're going to be forced to choose between career and country. And you do not want to be on the wrong side of that street. Because the majority of us will stand. The majority of us will uphold our oath to our country and our constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Folks, we've seen how the military screws up and they backpedal. We've seen it. The military training with the uh, anti-Christian and they were defined as uh, Christians, white male Christians were defined as extremists. Folks, we've seen this, and what did they do? They backpedaled. Oh, we've never heard of that. Uh, that. That brief was not approved. Folks, these... Renegade Nation, you have to understand, these documents are approved and approved and reapproved by public affairs, legal advisors. They are not rogue officers putting these together. They are serious documents that are scrutinized. And we need to understand that... There's an agenda. I'm not a big conspiracy guy, but folks, these are pokes and prods. They're trying to slip the dagger in wherever they can. They're trying to test the waters to see how far they can push. To see if they'll... We'll we'll push back. And we're pushing back now. We are pushing back now. Members of the military are wising up. Sparking thought. This needs to happen. The thought process, because it makes people think. And some of these commanders, I guarantee you, if they were to sit back and really think about what they were doing, hold on a sec here. How is this going to go over? How is this going to go over? Why would I ban 250 years of heritage? No, hell no, I'm not passing this order on. That's what we need them to do. We need to spark thought. Folks, there's the military also, the, the, the Oval Office and Obama regime has been dismissing officers. They've it, it, been getting rid of them as fast as you can. Look at what General Boykin's been saying out there. He's been talking about how there's a, they're purging the ranks from General Mattis, the Marines, a personal favorite of mine. I've never met the guy, but I know he's done great things and he was respected all the way down the chain of command. The firing over the general and uh, responsible for coming down on Benghazi because he wanted to respond and he wanted to send troops in. This is the problem, folks. It needs to be known that they're doing this. Open your eyes. This is not 
individual rogue commanders being nuts. This is serious. This is an effort to redefine our military. An effort to change what we stand for and how we fight. I spoke with a gentleman earlier today that he worked for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He was an intel officer. And this guy wrote a thesis that said, you know, we're not comprehending radical Islam. We're, we're trying to define it with, you know, Western terms and, and you know, reasonable, rational terms. And it's, it, it's not working. That's why we're going to lose this war. It's driving me nuts. They refuse to admit. They fired him. They tried to give him an Article 15, which is a non-judicial punishment. It's the equivalent of a uh, of an army kangaroo court, I guess. Your commanding officer or higher, you know, senior enlisted guy can basically dole out a punishment at will. No, it needs no evidence. But why? Why would this happen? Why have we let this happen? I just don't understand. You know, having fought for this country, it, it seems that these people are so disconnected. Once they make rank, it's incredible. Folks, if you haven't picked it up, get on Amazon. Go to battleonthehomefront.com. Either one, get my book. Because I talk about this in great detail. And I give rock-solid, concrete examples. And the military denies these. They'll publicly deny these examples. But the fact of the matter is they happen every day. And our troops, our sons, daughters, moms, dads, are paying the price on the battlefield for this political correct BS. So stop it. It stops here, folks. You're listening to Renegade Nation. I have to take a quick break. I'll be back in a flash. When a call for a medic went out, Alan left the covered position to run to render aid. That was when he was hit. The bullet struck him on the right side between his body armor. was one of the first wounded warriors to come out of Iraq in 2003. I'm Trace Atkins, and I want to tell you about Wounded Warrior Project and how they helped this brave young man and his family. There was life in his eyes, but everything else was non-responsive. The doctors anticipated that Alan would be bedridden and need to be spoon-fed for the rest of his life. The job of helping wounded warriors rebuild their lives is massive and growing every day. Your gift of just $19 a month will help wounded warriors like Alan, who refuse to give up. I'm in the fields of Vietnam, the mountains of Afghanistan. Alan earned the Purple Heart and the Bronze Star for his actions on the battlefield. He is a true American hero. But Alan became my hero for the battle he fought day after day after day to get his life back. Your call today and a gift of $19 a month can help provide our wounded warriors with desperately needed programs and services through Wounded Warrior Project. I would encourage you to donate to the Wounded Warrior Project. It's going to take a lot of us for a long time to help these young men and women. Call or go online with a pledge of $19 a month and you'll receive this Wounded Warrior Project blanket. Wounded Warrior Project 
All I can really say is thank you. Thank you for being there and giving me something to achieve. Say a prayer for peace. And welcome back, Renegade Nation. This is Carl Higby, your host, author of Battle on the Home Front. I want to jump right back into this. And uh, I got some background music. Today. I think I had Lost to Mohicans earlier. That song just fires me up. For a topic like this about America's warriors, I need, need it. I need to be fired up like this. And so do you. You should be fired up. You know, The Blaze a while back put out an article that says, Obama is purging our military commanders. They said that nine senior commanding generals have been fired by the Obama administration this year makes you think folks what are they preparing for you know the, the and these are retired and even active senior commanders they're saying this they're saying they're purging the military and they're doing this and they're also striking fear into the hearts of those still serving tell them they will destroy their career if they don't go along with this that's the message they're sending Guess what, generals, admirals, commanders, captains, chiefs, master chiefs, sergeants? You took an oath to country, team, and teammate in that order. And if you don't abide by that oath, damn you. Your oath to your country is more important than your job. I understand people have families. Guess what? I have a family too. But you know what I did? took my oath seriously and if I hadn't done what I did okay life may have gone on but the word got out the word is out and it changed some things it really changed some things and it, everybody if everybody stood up and said no if they pushed back and said stop this Stop this ridiculousness. We are a military. We're the United States military. Our job is to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Our current president is an enemy, a domestic enemy of the Constitution. And for those of you who don't believe me, provide me one shred of evidence that says he supports the Constitution. One shred of evidence. I'm, now, I'm not, I'm not calling for a revolution. I'm not saying march on Washington. But educate, stand up in numbers, learn. This guy's like a Muslim in chief infiltrating, infiltrating our government, sneaking into the smallest corners, changing things that are our tradition, changing security policies. And then he's firing anybody who stands up to him. He's tromping on us. He knows the military is the, quote, right-wing extremist in his eyes, and we need to be dealt with. So either strike fear into us or discredit us, just like what they did with me. With the book, with this recent article, they said, oh, it's, it's hogwash. We never issued that order. They did issue that order. And people came forward to say so. Folks, if you take a stand, things will start to change. You know, it starts at the polls, sure. 
But where it really starts is you getting out there and talking to people. I get it all the time. I hear it from friends and family. Oh, man, Carl, you know, don't get into politics with people. But you're sitting at a table with a bunch of ignorant people that, you know, they might be nice people, they might be your friends, but if they don't know, that makes them ignorant. And when ignorant people vote on things that they think are fact, it makes... You know, it gives us a president like Obama. Who promised, if you like your health care plan, you can keep your health care plan. And now they're trying to backpedal again. Well, that's not really what he meant. But yeah, but it's what he said. It's what he said. Renegade Nation. Educate. Every day. I work at a, a gym now. I'm a personal trainer. They tell me every day, try to turn somebody into a personal training client. Folks, every day I challenge you. I challenge Renegade Nation. I challenge everyone out there to educate somebody. Even if it's just, who are the first three presidents? Teach them. What's the Second Amendment? What's the First Amendment? Third, fourth, fifth? Teach them these things. Let them know. Because that's our job. That's our job. Those who have the ability have the responsibility. And I can't encourage that enough. Know your facts. Know your facts. And make sure everyone else does too around you. You can never have too much knowledge. The worst thing that could happen, someone tells you to pound sand. It's a travesty. Back to this military commander's. The ones that are on the fence. I don't, I don't, first off, I don't understand where the gap happens. All the sled dogs seem to get it. Say, this is crap. This is BS. You know, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? The sensitivity training, homo training, whatever it may be. And the military shouldn't have to deal with that. They should be abstract from politics. They should be given a pass. You know, I believe that the... The recent downsizing of the military because the obviously the pullout of Iraq and the um, downscaling and the slow pullout of Afghanistan, they're using this. They're using this to get rid of people. Oh, we're getting rid of your command, so you're kind of gone. Not to mention you spoke out all the time, but you know, like like Rahm Emanuel said, never waste a good crisis. Well, the Democrats definitely don't do this, whether it comes to a gun event or you know which could involve children they never waste a good crisis so keep that in mind because when you see something coming and and not to jump off topic here folks but the healthcare is a disaster right now stand by something's gonna happen and I don't know what it was about that shooting in LAX the uh, guy who came in trying to shoot TSA I think that may have been an attempt to pull the attention off Obamacare. Now, I could be wrong, and like I said, I'm not a conspiracy theorist because I really don't think the government's organized enough to commit some of these serious conspiracies, but this it's getting deeper and deeper. And we need to know... We need to, we need to know these things. We need to get them out there. And it's like the Benghazi... What is, what is going on with that? And it's like, the more you find out, the more it looks sloppy, and then there, all of a sudden there's a crisis. You know, a shooting, or 
you know, a financial dip or something, something that turns the whole thing upside down, takes the focus off whatever they're trying to do. You know, we, we need to be aware of that. And a lot of people are like, oh, man, there's a shooting. Terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. But what's on the second page of news? In fact, Renegade Nation, I challenge everybody here to look on the second page of news. Whenever you see a big hotspot or a big highlight, what comes after that? What's not being reported on? And that's really what they're trying to get by. They're trying to pass that. I truly, truly think that we are going down a path that is is virtually unrecoverable soon. And if we don't stop and stand up, things are going to be bad. So, folks, i got to take another break. I'll be back in a flash. You're listening to Renegade Nation with Carl Higby, author of Battle on the Homefront. Are you tired of your hard-earned money going to support liberal and progressive enterprises? I know I am. That's why I shop at thethirdlantern.com. This conservative marketplace ensures that your money is well spent and supports conservative entrepreneurs dedicated to making their products here in America. Look, I'm a business owner. I know how hard it can be to get your product out there. Get on his vendors list, and it will help your sales. I have had his barbecue sauce. It is amazing. Check out the website, thethirdlantern.com. That's the, the number three, rdlantern.com. Send your liberal friends there and tell them Hig and Resch sent you. Thethirdlantern.com. Put your money where your ideology is. Hey folks, welcome back to Renegade Nation. I'm Carl Higby, your host. I love that song. That song fires me up again. It uh, reminds me of Iron Man too. I watched Avengers last night, so I love it. Uh, folks, I, I know I've been very, very, very pissed this whole thing, and I, I am I am super pissed. I, I'm mad with where the country's going. I'm mad that the military of all of all branches is not standing up to this as a as a senior community. The people who are put in there, they were made rank because. They were entrusted with the protection of this nation, are not doing it. But I want to switch gears. I want to change over. I want to talk about bullying. This is crap. This bullying thing is driving me absolutely insane. It's sweeping the media. This crisis, they call it. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's such a travesty. I'm not proposing that bullying doesn't exist. It does, and it always will. I am, however, proposing that bullying is a crisis. Bullying is a manufactured crisis. And, and this happens in two ways. First, the crisis is largely overblown in today's media. Absolutely. Like, you know, every, everybody knows that, you know, one hint of bullying or racism or anything is, 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 makes headline news with Al Sharpton. So um, bullying has increased in direct proportion to the nanny state, though. The nanny state that we're in, that's our public school system and um, the, this this basically overbloated bureaucratic led junkyard we call our our public schools um you know 
for instance, take me as an example. I was born under Reagan, and this is when the you know the the, the free market was kick ass. Uh, the Soviet Empire was headed towards collapse, namely because we were awesome. They couldn't win the Cold War over this, and we 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 still spoke of rug individualism that we were awesome. As a child, I was bullied. I was. Why? Because I was a fat little nerdy kid with a wild head of hair that resembled a fro, earrings, I wore Hawaiian shirts, and I thought I was a skateboarder. And I was from rich suburbia. But something remarkable happened. It made me who I am. I got tired of being bullied. I joined the wrestling team. You know, I, I, it, it, it was a progressive push for me in the pursuit of physical dominance because I was tired of bullying. Today I'm 240 pounds, very low body fat. I'm very fit. You know, I was a Navy SEAL. I climbed the physical scale. But guess what? Now that I am where I am, I do not condone violence. Unless it is a last resort. I don't bully people. Because I know what it's like to be bullied. It breeds protectors. My path would almost be impossible in today's society, though. This is because kids are not allowed to be kids. It's like the kids in Virginia Beach who were playing with airsoft guns on their own property before they went to school. And they were expelled from Virginia Beach Public Schools for a zero tolerance on guns policy, even though they were on their private property. Now teachers ban dodgeball. Dodgeball. Society frowns upon contact sports, such as football and boxing and wrestling. Parents allow their children to think this is okay. And they sit at home and they play World of Warcraft or Xbox. And when they should be outside, throwing rocks, digging in the dirt, making tree houses, Getting a scratch on their knee. It's okay, parents, to get a scratch on the knee. It's okay. It builds character. We coddle our children. We need to let them explore. You know, granted, I understand it's not the same world that, you know, if you're 40 or 50 years old, it's not the same world that your parents grew up in. You, you, you can't, if your parents are between 40 and 50, 60, it was a different world. They ran around the streets at night and nobody was worried about it. Now, you know, never know, your kid might end up on eBay. But kids need to learn to fend for themselves. I can hear the critics now. Oh, Carl, what about the kids? You can't just escape bullets. They get bullied at school, and then they get bullied online once they're home. Guess what? There's a problem. Kids shouldn't be online. They should be either doing their homework or getting out and having fun, playing. These endless, endless video games kids play. My nephew drives me nuts. He has a computer that's the size of a Coke machine with ninja stuff here and bells and whistles and lights and he can play super duper video games with high resolution this and that and joystick here and keyboard there he's doing things that I never even heard of great good on him that he knows computers but he locks himself in his room for six hours a day social life's gotta suffer from that I was out building forts tackling friends in football getting tackled on the wrestling mat, slammed, slamming, and getting slammed. We should be kids. Now there's this bullying in the NFL. Oh my God, give me a break. 
It's the NFL. These, this is as grown man as you get right here. These are six foot six, three hundred plus pound men who have risen to the pinnacle of physical ability and mental toughness. They play one of the most grueling, excuse me, sports ever known to man. Smashing each other in the head for, you know, two, three hours a night. Hours of practice, hours of psychological training. And you want me to say, oh, this guy was bullied. I don't even know his name. I'll have to look it up and get back to you guys. But bully doesn't doesn't come into, you know, when I think bully, I think like Palomalu. Because he's a bully on the field. If you get in his zone, your ass is grass. But I don't think bully in the locker room, hurt your feelings, go sob in the back. I mean, this is this is the the pinnacle of it. This is the this is progressivism at its worst. Where the hell are we going? NFL being and now there's like this massive push from the NFL. sensitivity training. Give me a break. Sensitivity training for what? What are you going to... Okay, now don't be mean to little Johnny, but still go out there and make millions of dollars smashing people's heads in who have the football. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Does it make any sense to you? No. if, if, If you see anything out there like this, folks, you know... And I want to talk about this a little bit more, actually. The if, if your son comes home from school, let's say little Johnny's been bullying your son. Okay, one time, fine. Maybe tell the teacher. Hey, Johnny's bullying me. All right, fine. Guess what? Chances are... I mean, I, I thought I had it all figured out when I was in school. Look, you know, and I talk about this in the book. If they want to bully me, fine. Guess what? They're going to get punched right in the mouth. I'm going to throw the first punch real quick, and that'll be that. Not the greatest idea, but guess what? They didn't bother me anymore. But back to your kids. If if he comes home and he's been bullied, he, did you tell the teacher? Yes. Well, what happened then? Well, he came back, and he was pushing me around for being a tattletale. You know, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Guess what? Come here, son. This is how you make a fist. This is how you throw a punch. Next time he pushes you, you knock him the heck out and let me deal with the school. My children will not be bullied. That's not... That's, that's not an aspiration. That's a fact. Because my, I, I have a daughter and she will not be bullied. Because she will stand up for herself and she will know that when to and when not to. She'll make sure that it, it is the last resort for that violence. But she'll get it. It. This is what's being escaped. You know, I took the fire department test, and this, this plays into our society the other day. And I, I, I passed the test. I didn't score high enough to be uh, signed on to the fire department. But 
I did pass, but the questions I got wrong were HR questions. Was the majority of the test was actually HR questions. Almost like 70 questions or something, 65 questions. All, you know, what would you do if you saw Bobby carrying a jewelry box out of a f- firehouse? Guess what? Let me deal with that while I'm in the fire department. This, this should not be a question to get me in to the fire department. It's Don't you want the best man or woman for the job? I scored higher than anybody else on the physical test out of 1600 people. This is what I at least this is what I'm told. Yet I was not accepted because the physical test is only a pass fail, which that's the one that should be counted. The written, okay, it, it does have some validity to it, but not much actually nothing on there. It was really fire department related because we haven't been through any fire department training. So how would you expect most of us to know? So I was, this is, this is what it comes down to is we're, we're a soft society. We're not, we're not what we used to be. We're a society hell-bent on political correctness and doing things that, you know, we, we, want, we want everybody to be okay and nobody to be offended. Well, guess what? In reality, people get offended. People get offended in reality. That's just the way it is. Folks, we got to learn to live with it and we got to teach our kids to live with it. Again, I want to shift gears because I I was just scrolling through Drudge Report. The Toronto mayor. Toronto is, I believe it's the third, fourth, or fifth biggest city in North America. It's like 10 or 15% of all of Canada lives in Toronto. The mayor, uh, I I think he's been in for like two or three years. Um, Yes, I smoke crack. It may have been during one of my drinking binges. You are essentially a mayor of a, a minor economy, responsible for a, a lot, and you're out there smoking crack. Aren't you the guy? Shouldn't you be the guy fighting to get this crap off the streets? But you're there's a video on Trudge Report of it, and the guy seems borderline illiterate to begin with, so it doesn't surprise me that he was smoking crack. I I couldn't believe what. You know, I was like, man. And he's supposed to release a statement at some point today, but it's, um, <laughs> you can't help but laugh about this. This is the accountability we're headed to. Oh, by the way, they have the health care system that Obama wants us to have. Go figure. <laughs> Folks, I got to take another break. You listen, to, you listen to the sound of freedom on Renegade Nation. This is Carl Higby. I'll be right back. A system where we're going to work with your employers to lower your premiums by up to $2,500 per family per year. We will start by reducing premiums by as much as $2,500 per family. Here's what change is saying to people who already have health insurance and the employers who are providing it, we'll work to lower your premiums by up to $2,500 per family per year. I also have a health care plan that would save the average family $2,500 on their premiums. 
My family and my freedoms are important to me. But because I believe in traditional American values, go to church, exercise my right to own a firearm. Barack Obama says I'm bitter. Well, I'm not bitter. I'm blessed. Out here, we don't cling to guns and religion because we're bitter. We uphold traditions that have been passed down from generation to generation. I want a president who will protect my right to own a firearm, to defend myself and family, and protect our country's commitment to constitutional freedoms. Not just tell people he supports them so he can get elected. I won't compromise my way of life for any politician. And I won't support someone who doesn't believe in my right to self-defense. Not now, not ever. On November 4th, defend freedom, defeat Obama. Get the facts at gunbanobama.com. Non-stop shock radio. The station that shocks you. Renegade Talk Radio. Folks, you're back with Renegade Nation. Here we are. Thanks, Rich and Marla, for keeping me on. Uh, you're listening to Carl Higby, Father of Battle on the Homefront. This is the Sound of Freedom. Folks, I want to give a moron heads up, as Quinn and Rose would say. Obama has now denied his health care comments. If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. He has denied that, even though video recordings have him saying them over 29 times. Now, this is being described as the speech he never gave, but... He's like, what I meant to say was... No. You never said it. You did say, however, that we could keep our doctor. We could keep our plan. <laughs> He's lying about lies. You know, folks, I think the enrollment numbers are coming up next week. This should be interesting. And, he's, and now President Obama's going around campaigning here and campaigning there. But yet he's he's seeking help from all these CEOs of healthcare administrations to, you know, help explain why people are getting laid off. And they're trying to blame it on the healthcare people right now. They're on the healthcare companies, greedy healthcare companies. You know, he tried to do this with the oil industry, greedy oil industries. How can you call an industry greedy? That takes only two to three cents on every gallon of gasoline, while the federal government is taking 13 to 14 cents on the same gallon, but yet they're calling them greedy? Same thing with the healthcare. A healthcare is not, they don't print money. A healthcare company is a, needs to run a profitable business to maintain employees, to uh, you know, cover expenses. It's, that, that's how the capitalist system works. And what they do is they take an average. They say, and the government is, is like incapable of running anything profitable. It, it, it really amazes me. Um, they, it, it, I mean, you look at, look at the, the military, how top-heavy it is and how ridiculous and what it takes forever to get anything done. Look at the DMV. Look at uh, post, oh, post offices are a great example. They're incapable of making something successful while the private sector is excelling at it. FedEx, UPS, these these people are excelling. And then they always try to blame the private sector. Folks, the healthcare companies, this is how it works, and it's very simple. I'm sure many of you understand it, so don't let me insult your intelligence. I'm not trying to do that. But <clears throat> they they do these things like Okay, well, let's get 100,000 peak clients, okay, if that's what they have. They'll charge everybody an average of what they think it's going to cost. 
That way, the likelihood of everybody getting sick not only would bankrupt the company, but is, you know, a very unlikely. So they, they, they don't, what they can do is they can take the pool from everyone and, and pay for that one person who's got cancer or whatever and has astronomical health care bills. That's how it works. Now, the government is attempting to do the same thing, but they have royally screwed it up. And it's ridiculously more expensive because there's no competition in the marketplace for them. Folks, look at Singapore. Now, I don't know a whole lot about this, but Singapore healthcare is amazing. Uh, I, from what little research I have done, they basically have a, a, a system where it's kind of like a 401k where you pay for, I think it's like 50 to 75% of your medical costs. And um, the rest is matched by, uh, the, I, I believe it's the government. So the rest is matched, but you are still in tenure of your money. And when that money's gone, it's gone. You pay into it your whole life. So when you're young, you pay in what you can and you pay and pay and pay. And then when you get older, the treatments you have are coming out of mostly your dime. So you're careful about it. It also entices people to be healthier. Their society is is light years ahead of us in health. And people walk everywhere. They don't gourd themselves. I went to Wendy's. I posted on my Facebook. I went to Wendy's and ordered a medium, which is the smallest size you can have. And it was like 30 ounces or something, 32 ounces, something ridiculous. And I'm looking at this. I got lemonade. But still, I'm looking at it, which was the the natural lemonade or the, the crap lemonade. However, the natural stuff was more expensive. It was like 30 cents more expensive. Go figure. But... You know, this is this is why America's fat is because our portions are. You know, I don't believe you should ban them, but I think you know private companies should probably say, hey, you know, aside from a kid size, which is like four ounces, which is not enough, they should offer something in between. Maybe make that the default, then you can order more. Now, I'm not I'm not introducing legislation to stop people from eating this stuff like the mayor of New York did, but it's uh, it's funny. It's really funny. Um, I mean, back to the Singapore thing. I know I'm jumping around a lot tonight. I'm just so fired up. I have a ton to cover. Um, well, if we had something like that, you know, it would be, you know, crash and burn. A couple of people would crash and burn, and they'd be out of money. But you know what? It would not be my problem. <laughs> I think that it's, you know, if, if you don't contribute, why should you get so much out? It really, really bugs the hell out of me. You know, the next thing and the last thing actually I want to cover today is the spending, the way the military and the government does spending. Now, everybody knows they have a fiscal budget for the year or an annual budget or whatever, um, that at the end of the year, if in the in the private sector, if you don't use it, you either roll it in or they give out bonuses to its employees for doing a good job and not spending the money and saving it for the company. And that makes the company more prosperous. They can hire more people, create more jobs. Economy's doing better. Everyone's happy, happy, happy. Now, the government, the way they do this, is they have a budget for the year. Now, that budget is, let's say, we'll say somebody has $10 million for a budget, which is a completely arbitrary number, but I'm just pulling it out because it's a nice round number. So, um, $10 million for the year. Now they say, okay, we've spent, it's in the fiscal year for the military is October 1. So um, 
you know, come September, we, we've only spent $6 million. Well, we have to spend $4 million or next year we're going to lose the budget. So what do they do? They send military personnel on these extravagant training, quote, training ops, you know, to four or five star hotels and you're going around and you're getting fancy rental cars and eating out and your per diem goes up and you, all this crazy nonsense. It's absolutely insane. And then you got, um, <laughs> you, you got these commanders issuing these orders for people to do this and it's all on our done. So they're essentially, they might as well just burn this money because it's not doing any good. They're not doing any valid, sometimes it's valid training, but very often it's not. I remember they were like, all right, we're going to do a SIDX, uh, you know, right before you uh, deploy, we do an exercise. And sometimes it was at the end of the fiscal year and it was extravagant. We had air assets. We were flying on private, uh, not private planes, but flying commercial airlines and they weren't exactly hitting up kayak to get the best price they could. You know, they would just buy it for whatever. Sometimes it was ridiculously expensive, fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars a ticket. And then we'd show up, and you know, sometimes we'd go just outside of Vegas, conveniently to a training facility like uh, um, was that place out in. Uh, Nevada. Anyway, we, you know, we went out right outside of Vegas and we spent the majority of the training trip in Vegas vacationing at hotels paid for by you, the tax dollar, or you, the taxpayers. So that's how we burned off our, um, our fiscal budget at the end of the year. That and we shot a bunch of rockets, which are about the most expensive thing you can buy. So that's where the money goes. And we want to keep raising the debt limit. What the hell? Folks, I appreciate you tuning in. You're listening to The Sound of Freedom on Renegade Nation. This is Carl Higby logging off. God bless. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what's so Stripes and bright.